0: You're listening to the sermon podcast of Mountain View Church. Whether you're here catching up on last week's message or digging through a past series, we're so grateful you've tuned in today. Our prayer is the next 30 to 40 minutes helps you become a more whole follower of Jesus. If you're local and would like to join us, we'd love to see you this Sunday. For those who can't make it in person, services are also streamed on Facebook and YouTube. All the information about service times, what we have for kids, and much more can be found on our website, almsville.church. Now, let's open our hearts and minds to today's message. I wanna, as we talk about today's attribute, I want to show you a couple pictures to kind of get our brains going a little bit, okay? So let's look at this first picture together. Anybody know where this is, like what, what this is showing us, location, Any guesses? Seattle was a guess. Not quite. California. We got California. Somebody said Southern Ohio, and I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Um, Almsville. Yeah, you see a little mountain range? Kind of looks like the foothills in the back there, doesn't it? A little bit. Okay, it's hard to tell. Just a few houses, just, some, just a few mountains in the background. Okay, let's look at, let's look at these next pictures. Somebody said California nailed it. Uh, it's actually a picture of L.A., Right? That, that first picture is a picture of L.A. from, from 1880. And uh, this is actually not even current. It's even more built- up now. This was in the early 2000s, I, I think. So uh, probably even more stuff there or whatever. Slightly different angle, but pretty much the same, same location. So you look at that, and was anybody around in 1880, by the way? I just, yeah, okay, a couple of you. Nice, a couple of you. You look at too, Jared, but anyway. Uh, places change. Right, places. Some of you, you grew up around here, even, and you're like, man, this place is nothing like it was when I was a kid. Right? It's pretty obvious. I was looking at different uh, monuments and like national landmarks and and parks this week, and how much they've changed from when they were first found to now. Like like things like the Mayan civilizations. Um, you know, Yellowstone even, or like the Great Sphinx, you can Google that this week and look at kind of what it looked like when they first found it, and then they, they kind of, you know, spruced it up, and then, but now the weather has, again, started to kind of change it, and it's missing some spots, and so, so places change, right? Weather patterns make things change. Uh, human development, like what we build, changes places and changes people. Uh, natural disasters, earthquakes, fire, war, uh, you know, places change. And we change, right? Do you change? We, we change. Let me show you another picture that you might get a little bit of a kick out of. Um, who's that guy in the middle? <laughs> hey, looking like a discount in sync, you know, like I hear they're going on tour soon. I might have to get, a, get on that, you know. These are my two best friends, Adam and Zach. We took senior pictures together because we thought we were so cool. You could, tell, you could tell by the frosted tips in the hair about what, what year we're working on there. Uh, they're going to kill me for showing that. But Fashion trends change uh, and then change back to being cool again. Like, I don't care how cool you thought you looked when you were 20. Your kids think you look dumb. They just do. Just show them your pictures. And they'll be like, Mom, what are those, right? You could you could take that down. Thank, yeah, cool. Um, nobody took a picture of it. Woo, okay, uh, it's in the Bible app. Yeah yeah, it's in the Bible app. Another if you want that forever, you got to download the Bible app. Yeah. Um, our personalities change over time. Our desires change. I tell every couple that comes to me for a premarital counseling that they don't know who they're marrying. And at first, there's a little bit of like, whoa, you know, why, are you, why are you trying to scare us? But it's just true, especially if you're married. You know this. Who you are today is not necessarily who you are going to be in 30 years or even in five years. Right? People change. So when we get married and we stand up and we make our vows, we are not just vowing to love that person as they are that day. We're vowing to love who they're going to become. And back to you as well. They're going to change and you're going to change because right? people change. It's just the reality gratefully, God isn't like us. He isn't like anything in our world. He isn't like, you know, any of the monuments that we can look at. God is, and this is the key word, immutable. Okay, immutable. That is the $10 theological word that means that God's nature and character is unchanging. Okay, his nature and character is unchanging. There's a lot of scriptures uh, to, to look at. to to find this idea, and we're going to go through several of them, but we're going to start in James chapter 1, okay? New Testament. Uh, We went through a whole series in James not too long ago, so you might remember this verse. Uh, James chapter 1, again, it's on the Bible app and events there if you want to use that to get there. We're going to start in verse 16, okay? James chapter 1, verse 16. It says, "'Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters.'" Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Okay, he does not change like shifting shadows. And He says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Okay, that's verse 18. So a couple things I want us to see here. First off, you and I are part of the created there's a creator, there's a God, and we're not it. Okay, we're, we're not him. We are, he is the creator. We are the created. Um, but God wants to, to give us something. He wants to do something in us that James says is like a first fruit for the rest of creation means that means first fruit means it's going to start with us, right? God's going to do something in us or through us, but it's going to have ripple effect. It's going to ripple out into the rest of creation that God has, has made, okay? And we're going to come back to what that something is here in, in a little bit. But then the second thing I want you to see in this passage there at the last verse is this metaphor of shadows. And He says, God does not change like shifting shadows, um, the heavenly lights uh, that he mentions there, that's, that's the stars, uh, that's the sun, that's the moon. That's the thing that God created to bring light and heat to his creation, right, to, to the earth. That's great. The light's great, but those lights can also cast shadows, right? Depending on where you're standing, um, those shadows can look different, right? If the sun's behind me, the shadow's going this way. If the sun's over here, then my shadow's going this way. Um, sometimes the shadows can be really long. Sometimes they can be really short. Sometimes it's pointed in this direction. Sometimes it's pointed in that direction. The whole, the whole idea is that, that shadows shift. Right? Shadows change what they look like. They change the direction that they're pointing. They, they change. James says God doesn't. He's not like a shifty shadow. Okay, We don't have to wonder or, or, or second guess who God is, right? what his nature, what his character is. We don't have to wonder if his purposes or his promises are suddenly going to take a turn and, and change. Right? We, he's not going to change his standards from one day to the next. He, we don't have to wake up and wonder, you know, I'm going I'm to pray. I wonder what kind of mood God is in this morning. Right? You have to worry about that with me i'm moody god isn't God isn't moody. He hasn't changed that way like you and I do, and I talked a little bit about technology last week, but he's not like our technology. he's not like our computers, right God doesn't need to be plugged in and have an upgrade you know every every six months because you know he needs a new version right He, he needs to get with the times and and be upgraded. you know God is who he is always right? to be God means he's God. Then he's God now, and he will be God then. Right? He's a rock. Okay, I want you to listen to Psalm 18. We'll put that back up there. Psalm 18, verse 30 to 31 says, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. That's certainly not true in my life for me, right? Like my way isn't perfect. I tell my kids it is, but it's not. It's fallible. I make mistakes. I apologize to my kids all the time because my way isn't perfect. But God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. Do all of your promises prove true always, no matter what? Probably not because you're human. You're fallible. You're finite. Then he says, he is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock. A solid rock. That, that metaphor of a rock is used throughout Scripture. It's actually used 20 times alone just in the book of Psalms. It's used 50 times in the Old Testament. And then when you combine it with the new, it's approaching 70 times throughout the Bible. In fact, there's a time when Jesus is teaching right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is kind of his magnum opus, right? It's like the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. And towards the end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually says, you know, someone who hears my teachings and then puts them into practice, like does them. Well, he, that man is like a man who builds his house on, you know, a rock, right? There, there's a firm foundation right there's a steadiness and so he says and then like weather happens right winds waves circumstances like whatever life throws at that guy his house stays firm because it's built on the rock but he says someone who listens to my teachings and doesn't do it or just like dismisses me and out of hand that guy is like someone who builds their house on sand what does sand do when waves come moves right It scatters, it shifts, it changes. If your house is built on something that shifts and changes, then your house is going to crack and eventually fall. So Jesus says, build your house on the rock. Build your house on the one thing that won't be moved. The unchanging teachings of Jesus. One of the books I'm reading for this series is by Jen Wilkin. It's actually called None Like Him. It's where I got the title of the series. Um, it's a great book. And here's how she describes the immutability, right, this unchanging nature of God. So from the Old Testament to the New, He is the same. Okay, even, even that for some of us can be challenging because we've read the Old and we've read the New. and We thought, well, wait a minute. And, and in your groups this week, you're going to talk about that. From the Old Testament to the New, He is the same. None of his attributes can increase or decrease because each is unchangingly infinite. His knowledge cannot increase or decrease. His faithfulness cannot increase or decrease. Our actions, good or bad, can neither add to nor diminish his glory. He cannot become more holy or less steadfast. He simply is these things to the utmost forever. Now listen to this. The God who was is the God who is. The God who is is the God who is to come. The God who is to come is the God who was. Huh? Let's say it one more time, okay? The God who was in the past is the God who is right now. The God who is now is the God who is to come, the future. And the God who is to come in the future is the God who was in the past. He's not more God now than he used to be. He won't be more God later. He is, he's God, right? What it means for God to be God means that he's always been that. He's not in like the flux, like he's more God on a Monday than a Thursday or, right? He, he is always and forever who he is, which is so unlike me. I'm a mess, right? Some of you are like, I know. I, like, from Sunday to Sunday, you don't ever know. some today was like, what are we, a new church? You, you tucked your shirt in. You put dress shoes on. Who are you today? And I'm like, I, I'm, just, I'm just feeling different today, all right? I just want to dress up a little bit. The only constant in my life, the only constant in your life is change. Everything changes. Nothing stays the same. As the great theologians Anna and Olaf told us. <laughs> The wind blows a little bit colder, and we're all getting older. And the clouds are moving on with every autumn breeze. Peter, pumpkin just became fertilizer, and my leaf's a little sadder and wiser. Listen to this. That's why I rely on certain certainties. Right? What's, what's Anna and Olaf saying? And they're saying about, okay, man, everything's changing. Seasons come and seasons go. So there's got to be something that I can rely on. There's got to be something that I can be certain about, right? We're all looking for that. I think the crazier our world gets and the more it feels like it's just kind of spiraling, the more you go, man, is there anything I can just kind of like stand on that's going to be the same tomorrow when I get up? Hebrews 6 says, yes, there is. There is something that doesn't change. Everything else is in flux, but there is something you can bet your life on. Hebrews chapter 6 says, Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose, okay, so his purposes don't change, very clear to the heirs of what was promised. His promises don't change. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope As an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. In this context, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. He's talking about the good news of the gospel. He says, we have this hope as an anchor. Those of you who, you know, you boat and stuff, you put your anchor in something that's not going to move, right? Like, it would be really dumb to put your anchor in something. You're like, yeah, I think it'll get dragged around. Like, the whole point is to put your anchor in something that will keep you where you're at, to, to make you firm, to make you secure. And the author of Hebrews says there is something, but it's not found in this world. Right? Anna thought it was love. Have you watched Frozen? That guy turned out to be a creep, right? Her certainty was in the wrong place. The only certainty that we could find isn't in this world. It's outside this world. It's it's an anchor for our soul, and his name is Jesus and what he's done for us. As everything around us ebbs and flows, blooms and dies, wanes and waves, God remains who he is, and his truth remains what it is. So what does this mean for us, right, on a day-to-day level? One of the questions we're asking in the series, because it is very kind of theological or very heady, is like, so what? Right, so what? Why does it matter um, that God is immutable, right? The fact that God doesn't change, what does that mean for for my life? And so I want to give you just a couple couple thoughts on that. First is that uh, God's unchanging nature removes most of the guesswork in following him. Okay. I won't say all of the guesswork. But any of the guesswork we have isn't because of God changing, it's because I change, and it's because I'm human, and his ways are not my ways, and his thoughts are not my thoughts. And so there's, there's always a, a mystery in relationship to God because of who God is. We've talked about that throughout this series. So there's always a little bit of like, I think I, think I understand this. There's a humility in me that says, but he's God, so I'm going to I'm gonna try to lean in. But I can trust his character. Who God is is who he is. It's not he's not gonna wake up and change tomorrow. I can trust his promises. Right? It just said in in Hebrews that, that it's impossible for God to lie. If God has promised me something um, in his word, then it's true. And I can I can stand on that. I can trust that. I can trust his plans. His, that his, his sovereign plan remains on track. Right. Next next week um we're gonna talk about the sovereignty of God and the control of God. Um I can trust that he is sovereign and that his ultimate plan, even when everything in my life is kind of topsy-turvy, that his ultimate plan for this world is going to happen because he's God. It's his world. But God's unchanging nature removes most of the guesswork. So a few weeks ago, I was, uh, I was playing Connect Four with my daughter, Audrey. Anybody like Connect Four? You guys need a little, a little. Okay, Connect Four. So she's four. She's like in super game playing, but right now she wants to play a game all the time. I don't know if that's a four-year-old thing or what. Um, but And she knows her daddy's a sucker. So she always asks me. Um, and they all say yes. Right now, Grandma's here, which is super nice. Thanks, Grandma, for taking some of the pressure off. Grandma can play Uno with her and Monopoly Junior, which is totally rigged, by the way. Monopoly Junior, whoever goes first wins. Like that game, anyway, I'm not going to started. Uh, shoots and ladders, Grandma can happily take that one off my hands. It uh, takes forever. You know, Audrey's, like, we're almost done, and Audrey hits the chute hits the and comes down, and she's like, yay, and I'm like, no, that's 30 more minutes of this. <laughs> like, I hate that game so much. Um, that game takes forever. <laughs> but Connect Four, I can do. I can do Connect Four. And so we're, we're playing, and um, she's yellow, and I'm red because she told me so, and um, we're putting our, you know, putting our discs in there one at a time. All of a sudden, Audrey gets three discs in a row. And her favorite part is like when you can hit the, the little tab on the bottom and make them all fall out. So she gets three in a row and pff, she suddenly hits that tab and she falls out. And she says, I win. I was like, no, no, baby. That's, the game is called Connect Four. Uh, you you got to get four in a row to win. And she just kind of thought about it. And she looked at me. And she said, well, today you only need three. I was no. Uh, no, 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 wait a minute, like, that's not how this works, and the funny thing is, I thought about it later, and I thought, had she told me the rules in advance, would I have corrected her, or would I have just strategized to beat her with only three, because I don't let my kids win at anything, uh, it's just, you got to earn it, you got to earn it at our house, but it's really hard to play a game with someone if they change the rules in the middle of it, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, what, what are we doing here? When it comes to following God, I don't have to guess what he wants from me, right? I don't, I don't have to guess how he feels about me. I know how he feels about me because I, I just look at the cross like that's, that's how he feels about me. He loves me. He did that for me. That's, that That happened. That doesn't change. He's not moody like me. He doesn't flip things. I don't have to worry about how I'm saved. Like, like, what is the plan of salvation? You know, like, well, it used to be it was all about grace and what Jesus did for us and putting our trust in in him and what he's done. But now God's changed his mind, and you got you to gotta earn it. You got to do all the right things or else you're not saved. No, no, his plan of salvation— is steady, is firm. It's not, it's not going to change. When it comes to morality, right and wrong, and, and like how I'm supposed to live, um, we're we're living through a moment as a culture, aren't we? Where we we base morality on our feelings, like how we feel about things, whether it's right or wrong. Um, our feelings are a mess. I like. Our feelings are about as reliable as Oregon weather, right? How many of you the last two days got outside and you're like, oh, this is great, you know? Have you, have you looked at this coming week? Don't do it. It's depressing. Don't do it. It's going to change, right? A lot of us, that's how, how we treat morality, like what we think is right or wrong. We just kind of hold our finger up to the wind and see how things are kind of blowing in our culture and go, oh, I guess that's right or wrong. And there's always been, this isn't a new thing. You know, people are always like, oh, the kids these days and they're terrible. This has always been an issue. Humans trying to discern for themselves morality. Um, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. This is hundreds of years ago. The prophet warned the people. Listen to this. He says, woe to those of you who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Does that kind of maybe describe a little bit about where we're at as a culture right now? Calling things that are evil good? Things that are good evil? Kind of, It feels like we're kind of making it up as we go right now. It's like a choose our own adventure book. There's just no, like, standard for anything. Just, well, what do you think? How do you feel? 99% of what I need to know in order to follow God has already been revealed. It's even been written down. Like, we get caught up in that 1% Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know what God would do about this situation. Like, yeah, but what about the 99% that we do know and understand? What if we just did that? We, we don't have to guess. We don't have to worry that things are going to suddenly change. What God has called evil is still evil. What God has called good is still good. Okay, so I don't, a lot of this unchanging, that, it's, that sounds like really firm and harsh, but it's nice to know. Isn't it a little bit nice to not be dragged around by your feelings and what you think day to day, to have an actual standard? Right? God's unchanging nature is what we can base that standard in. So i got to wake up tomorrow and change his mind about it. And then lastly, God's unchanging nature is what empowers me to change. The fact that he is unchanging by his Holy Spirit living in me is what empowers me to change. In fact, he he invites me to. He calls me to change. I think on top of our feelings being the barometer of, of what passes as morality today, I think the phrase, it's just who I am, is one of Satan's most effective weapons today. Like, well, I'm sorry, I you know, I can't do anything about it. It's just how I am. Right? It's just who I am. It's it's just my personality, or you don't know what I've been through, or you don't know what's happened to me. It's just, and that shaped me, and that's like that's just who who I am, or even God made me this way, and and I can't do anything about it. So you just need to accept me, or you just need to love me. Uh, I first time I heard that was with my grandfather. I remember being fifteen. My my grandpa, on my mom's side, his name is Arnold. It's just a classic Ohio grandpa name, Arnold. And I, I was home in the summers, working on the farm, and um, my grandpa had just had a second heart attack in about nine months. And the doctors have said, you know, if you don't stop smoking, my, my grandpa had smoked since he was eight years old. And uh, that's just what you did back then, by the way. You're like, whoa. But like, back then it was like, this is actually good for you. This is great, you know. Turn of the century, you know. And I remember begging my grandpa to change his life and to stop. And I'll never forget him looking at me in the eyes. I was 15, and he said, Mike, I've been doing this for too long. To turn back now, and he had his third and final heart attack about a year later. This idea of "I can't change," like it's just who I am, that's a lie. That's a that is a lie straight from your spiritual enemy that wants to hold you in chains, right? That 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 wants you to drown in your sin, that wants to see you embrace your suffering as your identity, or or to have your past trauma define your future reality. It's not true. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4. We could turn to lots of different verses, but listen to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, that he's talking about these like ways that, that these Christians were living, even though they knew they weren't supposed to. He says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. Like that's not Paul's like, that's not what we taught you. You're living you're living in ways that we are contrary to what we told you. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in truth, righteousness and holiness. We could go back and look at that James passage where he talks about how God has given us birth, first fruits, God has given us birth uh, through, through his word, right? That language of being born again, of having a fresh start, of having a new start. Here in Ephesians 4, Paul says, you can be made new. That's what we talk about. That's what we celebrate with baptism, that you're not who you used to be. You're now a part of God's family. And it's just not just like a change of status, like, oh, you were unsaved and now you're saved. It's, it's a change of life. You are given a new, you put off your old self. And Paul says, you put on a new self created to be just like your heavenly father. The word says, God says, be holy as I am holy. You, God wouldn't, God wouldn't say that if you couldn't do it, right? He wouldn't like hang, hang the stick out there and it, and kind of dangling in front of your face and be like, oh, but you can't actually achieve this. So have fun with that. If there's only one person who can't change and his spirit empowers you to change. And he calls you to change. He calls me to change. So this is one of those things when I tell people they're getting married, like, hey, you're not just, you don't know who you're getting, who you're marrying because they're going to, they're going to change. And we see that necessarily as a bad thing, right? Like, oh, what if they change? It's also a good thing because all of us have things in our lives that aren't what they're supposed to be and don't, don't line up with God's best intentions for our life. And the fact that we can change is good news. You don't have to stay stuck in that, right? Your past doesn't have to define your future. What they did to you doesn't have to shape you for the rest of your life. You can find freedom. You can be empowered. You can change. Jen Wilkin, again, this is the author I mentioned earlier. She says it this way. Just as my assurance of salvation rests in the fact that God cannot change, my hope of sanctification rests in the fact that I can. Sanctification means what, what we're talking about here, being made holy. Right? Just as my assurance of salvation rests in the fact that God cannot change, my hope of sanctification rests in the fact that I can. And so one, one little just practical thing here at the end that I've been wrestling with a lot this week are, are the words always and never. Do you use a lot? Right? I find myself using those a lot. Well, they never. Are you always? Or even saying them over myself. Well, I never, you know, I always... That's giving yourself a lot of credit. I don't think any of us always or never anything. We're just not that consistent. I would strongly caution you against that language. Using that language over your kids, over your spouse, over other people, over yourself. The only one who always and nevers is the one who calls you to Change and can empower you to do so, and can empower the person that you're saying that over. Right? Only God is unchanging, which takes a lot of the guesswork out of what it means to follow him, and it also means that he can empower me to change in a way that I couldn't do on my own. All right, let me pray for us. Father, I I'm grateful that in a world that just feels like it's, All over the place uh, in a world where change is the only constant, we have you. We have you to put our anchor into and to be that firm foundation that we need, that rock that doesn't shift, that doesn't need an upgrade, that doesn't blow with the wind and change. And I'm grateful that you empower me to change. That's good news because I've got things that need to change. Holy Spirit, I wonder if there are some areas in our life where we've believed the lie that this is just the way we'll always be or that this is something that we'll always just deal with. And you're speaking to us this morning and reminding us of your power And your hope, and that old language, how how untrue that is of us. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls, and that hope is you. Would you empower us to be the people you've called us to be, to put off the old self and take up the new self? We don't want to just be saved. We want to be changed. We want to be made like you so that we can be your image bearers in this world, the way you created us to be. So make us more like you. We're going to close and take communion this morning. If you didn't get communion, you don't want that. There's some strapping young lads in the back that uh, can serve you. If you're a guest with us, you can still take communion. You don't need to be a member of our church. We just ask that you put your trust in Christ, right? That he is your rock. He is your redeemer. That what he did for you on the cross, you've accepted that gift into your life and accepted his forgiveness. And you've made him the, the Lord, which means he's the leader right? Jesus is the leader of your life, not you. Um, I was thinking about just this idea that Jesus didn't just take the punishment for our sins, but he defeated the power of sin and death forever. Um, This is really the good news of the gospel, right? It means that through him, yeah, you can be forgiven. And I mean, we all need forgiveness. I'm grateful for forgiveness, but more than just forgiveness, you can be changed, You can be empowered to be all that he's created you to be through his blood and his body. So that's what the elements represent, Jesus' blood and body. We're going to take those as you feel led uh, as we sing this last song. And if you want to worship with us, uh, you're certainly welcome to do that.